stuff makes me sad. What does? <sighs> These young girls dress like that on the internet. Fired, you muted, bro. Oh, we're there we live. go. There we go. Assalamualaikum. <laughs> Welcome back to the Three Muslims of the Podcast in the Dunya. We are joined again with Brother Sonny Faz and his mom. How you guys doing? Doing good. How are Hi, you guys? Everybody. We're doing good. We're doing good. It's uh, it's been a while since we spoke. Uh, so how you guys been? What's new with you guys? What is new? Really a lot of the same stuff. Just been staying consistent with making YouTube content, building up different businesses. A lot of work. We've Yo, speaking speaking of YouTube content, take a look at this. Alhamdulillah. Oh, you guys actually oh, got your We finally got it. We finally got this. Guys, I made a little bit of a video in my own channel. If you guys want to check that out, link in the description about the things I've learned in the last couple of years being on YouTube with the two brothers over here, Rami and Anhel, because a lot of people are asking us how to start YouTube. What tips and tricks do you have? So I made a little bit of a short video, um, but I do want to give first and foremost, all praises due to God, to Allah, because without Allah, none of this would have been possible. Um, and Sonny, you know, you know what it feels, bro. I know you, you hit hundred K too easily, bro, but yeah, well, they, they denied me of my plaque, unfortunately. Oh, what? How come you don't have a plaque. Why didn't you get a plaque? What, what did we get a reason for that? Um, it was nonsense. It was like, you might have ideas that don't agree with stuff that, you know, doesn't, that might violate terms of service. It was some nonsense. Oh. I was like, well, I don't have a strike. Like, I haven't done anything wrong. Right, so basically my fault. Cause I just. <laughs> i don't really hold back <laughs> you guys are almost at 200k right yeah, yeah i think it's Most, at 175 wow. <sighs> just like That's, that yeah. rami bro do you remember what we were talking about a little bit backstage before starting up or at least um with uh sonny faz and elena we were just talking about death you remember that i think that's a, a little bit of a good point to end uh to begin this stream on so you know recently i'm sure you know many of us were just surrounded by death and I was talking to Sonny, and he was saying it's just like a normal thing nowadays, you know. It's something that is just around us, you know. People live and people will pass away. Um, a lot of people are, however, unfortunately running away from this idea of death. And I think the purpose of this life, if we have life, we have to have a death. And a good question to start this stream on that I would like to ask you guys is, what are you guys living for? I love that question. Do you want to start? I got to think. <laughs> There was a time when I would have had to think and it's, it, again, you guys know that I have in the past year, I've always been a Christian, but in the past mm -hmm. year, I've gone deeper into my relationship with God. And yeah. I can say now that I am most certainly living for the afterlife. I am most certainly living with the understanding that this is just temporary and there is an eternal life where with all the people I love and with God after that comes mm. and but I have to earn it it's not a given um the, am I earning it um probably falling short every single day uh but hopefully God is as gracious and forgiving as I've been told and you know he'll mm. he'll he'll let me in anyway so in in this world though, it, it's still, I still have to do certain, I still have to live, right? Mm -hmm. I still have to be a productive citizen in this world. And for me, uh, I, that's a harder question. What am I living for? Because that's one that I, now that I have this new understanding of life and what my life means and this bigger cosmic God relationship, that's now very personal to me, it changed. And now I'm not, 
in my head about it as much. I just keep saying to God, show me what's next. Like help illuminate my path because I don't, I'm taking it away from my own, what am I living for and what does he want me to live for? Mm. And you know, it's, it's, it's so strange to even say that because it's, it's just totally different from how we're taught here in America. Like make your dreams come true, chase your passions, do what's in your heart and to surrender that and let it go and be like, God, what do you want from me? What do you think is right? Help me to, uh, you know, to do your work, use the talents you gave me in the way that you intended is a totally different converse, internal conversation and it's still fresh with me. So it, it it's, I feel like a baby again mm-hmm. <laughs> in mm-hmm. a way. So that's my, my kind of long answer. I like that. I like that. That was very in-depth and very refreshing. Sonny, how about you? Mine's not as uh, religious at the moment, but I'd say it's seeking truth. So, you know, I see a lot of lies around us from like literally everything, you know, the way you're raised, um, what you're taught, not not by you, of course, but um, no, these larger societal influences and that and th- those things, like I was just saying, like you, what's in your head, you, you know, your truth, right? Everybody's out there, mm. their own personal truth. Yeah. And where I, is it getting us? Yeah. And I was I guess I was going to say, like, just speaking independence, like financially, and, you know, to where I can just kind of do whatever I want without having someone being able to tell me what to do. But that's not really, I guess, like a purpose, you know, that's, that's kind of just like a step in the process so that I can continue finding truth um, throughout my life. But um, I, I, th- I definitely think I really do need to get realigned with like my overall goals. I've noticed whenever I don't have those written down, I'm a lot more lost. I'm not reading them every morning. It's, um, it's harder to stay focused as motivated because you know you're not as driven and um you know i did that all of 2021 and 2022 and i haven't done it this year yet and i've kind of been you know not slacking off but i could be doing better so i definitely got to touch back in with that hmm. Hmm, okay okay How about you? Bro, oh what are, what are we living for i am living for the pleasure of allah and it reminds me, you know, what you said, Elena, in the beginning where you were like, I'm trying my best. I don't, you know, it could be better and this. And it reminds me of this hadith where the prophet, peace be upon him, mentioned that every son of Adam is a sinner. Basically, all of mankind is a sinner. The best of sinners are those that repent. It just goes to show like we're by nature, by definition or in virtue of our creation, we're going to be sinful. We're not sinless. You know, there's another narration where it's, it's basically mentioned that if mankind, if all of us did not sin, then God would have destroyed us and replaced us with another creation that does sin just so that we can repent and understand the value of God's mercy. Hmm. Very I like that. I like that. Yeah. Hmm. That's so you're doing the same thing. You're just trying to live what he wants you to live. Yeah. Yeah. And be his instrument here on earth. And just do good with this limited time we have because people think like, even the question, I was like, what are you living for? When you think about that, that question, you start thinking about, you know, your life and how you mentally mapped out like this blueprint, you know, and how you have all this time in the world. But it's like, how do we get this audacity that we have all this time in the world? Like who guaranteed us that we have this time? Our time could be done just like that tomorrow. I know it's a 
you know, I don't want to get nihilistic, but it's truth. Yeah. It, it kind of it, putting that into perspective really shows us that we really need to live for the now and for the present moment because tomorrow is not guaranteed. Yeah. Right. But there's, there's people that, and that's, and that's very common in modern American society live for the now people say that. And, but they still are doing that completely absent of a relationship with God and so they're doing that, but they're really not necessarily living even close to the, the moral tracks that have been laid for us. Um, mm. And, you know, in, in all of our most celebrated, uh, you know, religious texts. So it's, it, it and I, I lived like that for a long time. I mean, I'm not judging anybody. It's not my place to judge. In fact, I, I just wish I had woken up from it sooner that way of life mm. we've all been there Me yeah. and Ami, for sure. but Ami, yeah, what you, we've talked about you? that and i appreciate that that you're not like you're also not just a goody two-shoes coming in and being like yeah i'm perfect and i've always been a perfect muslim and me uh, me i'm being like oh i'm a perfect christian oh no not even close not mm. even close and i yeah. appreciate that about you guys because i think it, it adds humility to our conversation yeah 100 and, and we ask god to to keep us humble allahumma ameen yeah. But um, yeah, for me, it's it's no different from um, you two, um, with the exclusion of of Sunny. I'm just kidding. I would include Sunny <laughs> as well. And the reason I say that is because you had mentioned finding truth. I think I think that's actually a very beautiful thing. So, um, thank and you. I think at your point in in life, like that's what else can you do? You know, you don't know what's true. You look for the truth. That's you know, in 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 my eyes, and I think inshallah in the eyes of God, you know, that is all you should be doing right now. You know, trying to find what God wants you to do you know, and um, your purpose in life and what truth is. And uh, as a kind of tangent to that or to build off of that, my goal in life is to, like Fayed said, please Allah, to please God. And um, in the way that would be done practically is by teaching people about God, by teaching people about what God wants from them. Why are we on this earth? You know, where did we come from? What are we doing here? Where are we going? These age-old existential questions are inevitably going to really pull on somebody's strings if they don't have the answer to these questions in one way or another it will you know form in the way of some kind of cognitive dissonance and some kind of worry and some kind of stress anxiety and unsurety of what we're doing here and where we're going to go the fear of death the fear of life even some people are scared to live nowadays the 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 fear of thinking and expressing your thoughts um all boils down to why why am i gonna express my thoughts why am i going to live why am i going to fight why am i going to strive and without god you have no real solid objective purpose so that is my goal in this earth inshallah for however long i'm here whether it's another day or another 80 years allahu alam is to work for god and to you know bring people to the truth that uh, Sonny's looking for beautiful someone else mentioned in the comments be a benefit to others that's definitely something else on the list you know with finding truth you know, comes more understanding of how you can actually do that and the correct message to spread. So if, if people are stuck mm -hmm. in their slave mind of how to make money, that they only need to go get a job, freeing them from that. If it's religion, whatever it is, being able to use my platform for good to, to help people, because I've gotten a lot of really nice messages, <clears throat> you know, from people um, that have watched the videos and seen me talk about business or taken any of my programs or whatever it is. And, um, that stuff is more fulfilling than any of the um, 
I don't know any of the the milestones or hundred k. That doesn't really. I don't know that that was exciting. I don't know how it felt for you guys, but it was exciting for like five seconds, and then <laughs> it kind of fades. Yeah, it's funny because we spoke about that once we hit hundred k, and um, we all kind of feel the same thing, which is we don't feel any any different from when we had a hundred subs or you know ten thousand or fifty thousand. For me, it's it's felt the same all throughout. So you know, it's just another number. And I think that has a lot to do with our intention in the beginning, which was if we help one person, if we guide one person, you know, that's enough for us. So seeing that one become, you know, 100,000 and inshallah, uh, if God wills even more, I don't think is really going to affect us. Because, you know, what's the point of it all if we have ill intentions or if we change our intentions to something that is, is ill-minded, you know, for our own benefit uh, and, and selfish reasons. I think that's the, the point people begin to slip. So. If the numbers don't mean anything to you anymore, I think that's actually a really good sign because if anything, it just shows you're not as superficial as some other people might be. Yeah, I mean, I just, I don't know, it doesn't have as big of an effect in, on your life as people think. You know, when you um when you imagine hitting 100K, you're getting a bunch of money, you're like, my life is going to be perfect. Like, I'm all set. The girls are all going to want me, all this. And it's like, that's just not how it works and, at all. And it's so, it just, it's also vapid. You know, I, I just want to say, it just hits me, like, as your mother, how happy it makes me that we're having these conversations. It really does. I mean, at your age, I was like, can someone teach me how to do a keg stand? Like I was just, you know, I was doing well in school, but I was working full time, going to college. And and whenever I wasn't getting my stuff done, I was partying. I never did learn how to do a keg stand and I've never done one. But (laughs) the the point is I was just a complete idiot. And I wasn't on a search for truth about life probably had some moments where you know scratched a little deeper into the surface in conversations mm. um but really there's just it, i i didn't have i didn't i had the opportunity i didn't take up the opportunity to have these kind of conversations with adults and mm. people older than me and i just think it's really cool that you're doing that but i always think you were born older you know sunny was old when he was little Thank you. Yeah, I also got a lot of the stupid stuff out of the way earlier because I had a lot of freedom when I was younger. So I was in a lot of trouble in like seventh to ninth yeah. grade. You were never in a lot of trouble. Like it was dumb stuff. Like there were kids in the neighborhood in juvie. Like you weren't that guy. You were know? <laughs> yeah. just yeah. Listen, I wanna I wanna Throw touch on water balloons at people and stuff. Just I wanna I wanna touch on the point that Elena said about how you know I was doing this younger. I wish I found it younger, or I wasn't having these conversations earlier. And it, it just goes to show, Rami, by the way, check your text. Um, it just goes to show that like all of us here today in this life, we all we believe as Muslims that Allah guides who he wills, when he wills. And I'm I'm thinking back to my life about you know the old days being young and reckless, just like you were mentioning. And if someone would have come to me and told me what I know now, I doubt I still would have listened. Yeah. And the reason being is there's a time when we're ready for hidayah, for guidance. And unless we get it at that time, we're not going to take it seriously. So there's no pressure for a lot of people that feel like they haven't found that guidance. But if you pray to God for that guidance, then you will get it. Because that's one of the duas of guidance that are never going to be rejected. If you sincerely cry out to God, it could be literally like, God, if you're listening, if someone's out there, if someone's listening, if someone exists, please guide me to the right path. Like There's been so many people that found God that way. It's interesting that there's a lot of stories like that for like multiple religions too. 
You know what I mean? Like, there's plenty of stories like that for Christianity, Islam. I'm sure every like every single religion, you pray to God and there's like a crazy coincidence or something. Yeah. But it's it's pretty interesting. It's amazing. How that works. God's amazing, and He'll come and and meet you where you are if you just ask. It's really crazy. So, a couple things. I one thing I can say. I can look back. And stop me if I ever talked about this in our last conversation. And when I was 23 or so, I was living in San Diego after college. And there was this guy, Frank, from the bank. That's what his, his name was, Frank. And he worked at the bank. And he, was, he liked me. He had a crush on me. And I would go in the bank. You know, I was waitressing. And I would put in my money. And he was always so nice. And he asked me out. And I said no. And he asked me out. And I said no. And then I finally went out with him. And he was always trying to get me to go to church with him. He was such a nice guy, Frank from the bank. But I was still in party mode. I like it. It wasn't. I was like, I like this guy, but I can't. I don't, he was just too boring for me, right? Too serious and too grown up for me at the time. <laughs> and before him and after him, there were other Franks from the bank, people who were wonderful, who were trying to bring me closer to God, and saw something in me that thought I could use this, or and I ignored it, kind of like what you're saying. Like when you were younger, if somebody said this to you, that actually happened to me, you know, and I just ignored it. But in in Christianity, you know, we we look at it, I am seeing it now as like that was they say that was like Jesus chasing me all those years. And he like kept coming by and being like, hey kid, you know, want to talk? And I was too busy or too wrapped up. Uh so I feel blessed that, you know, I finally got the message and I finally was like, yeah, I'm, I'm in. But I don't know in Christianity and I don't know, and maybe you can tell me what this is in Islam. Like what happens to young people who die before they come to it? Like, mm. you know, what happens to those souls? If there's, you know, if God forbid I had died at 23 and I had just been ignoring the Franks from the bank all those years and I never got the message. Like it, it stinks. I was blessed with more years and more opportunities. Does Islam talk about that at all? Yeah. So um, actually Allah says in the Quran in chapter 17, verse 15, um, at the end of the verse, he says, never would we punish a people until we sent them a messenger. And what the scholars have said about this verse is that God has a, you can call it like a tradition or kind of a rule that he would never punish a person unless they actually receive the message of truth. They receive the message of Islam um, in, in our eyes, you know. And if they receive it, and then after that they belie the message, then that's what makes a person an actual disbeliever. Because to disbelieve in something, you have to know what you're disbelieving in, right? Mm -hmm. Otherwise, you're just a non-believer. You just don't believe in it, um, or whatever it is. But a disbeliever, you have to go out of your way to say, this thing I do not believe in, right? Um, or at least in your heart. So... There is actually verses or uh, narrations of the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, where he mentioned that on the day of judgment, this category of people who did not receive the message um, and, and, or died before they could, they will be on the day of judgment still given a type of test. Because it wouldn't be fair if us in this life were tested. I get the message. I have to accept it. Where others, they don't receive the message. So on the day of judgment, God will give those people, that category of people, a test where he will present to them a garden and a pit of fire. And he will say to them, I'm your Lord. If you believe in me, jump in the fire. And if they jump in the fire and obey God, because it's something that's, it's, it's kind of like a parable for life, you know, 
life living for God is kind of uncomfortable sometimes. Yes. You, know? you have to strive and struggle and work and give in charity and it's it's really uncomfortable for for you know some points in life. So that's their test. They have to do something insanely uncomfortable, almost self-destructive um in in our eyes. But then they get to go to heaven. And if they disobey God and jump in what they think is, you know, good and comfortable and say I know better than God, then they're basically jumping into into the fire. I love that. I love that story and that imagery. Yeah, my friend told me something else. Um, people w wouldn't. People would do anything to have one more, one more day back on Earth so yeah. that they can um, oh accept God. God. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, yeah, this is this is similar to in in the Quran in the second chapter, Surah Al Baqarah. Allah says that these people wish for like so much life, so many years, and had we even given them a thousand years, bro, they still wouldn't have changed their ways, bro. Isn't that crazy? Mm. Yeah, mm -hmm. people. It is wild how people just go about life like mindlessly, like no self accountability. They don't like dive into themselves, look at their goals. They just kind of move along, and they don't have any plans for the day. Like they just. But it used to be more where you know the, it used to be you know let's go back to I don't know, Middle Ages or so where everything was about God. Your whole life, people's lives, the sun from sunrise to sundown was about pleasing God, and over the over the years. Even in modern American history, you know, God was still up until fairly recent decades, a big part of our of our daily lives in our society and even, you know, being taught in schools. And now you can see the results that we are a completely godless society now and people speech. are just not self-reflective at all. It's and now. Yeah. Now talking about even... God is, is hate speech. Like, what? <laughs> what are we doing? Like, we have the world we deserve if this is what's going on. Right. Mm. This 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 does remind me when I leave the West, anytime I go to like Saudi or UAE, people are still there by and large waking up and devoting the whole day to God and going to sleep. And I think this is something unique to like the godless West, as Andrew Tate says. Yeah, it's definitely really interesting. It's crazy thinking back to my time in public school and like the amount of indoctrination hmm. they were shoving down our throats from like the police are bad and BLM to... um how gmos are a good thing and we need a you know gen genetically modifying our food is good for society like we literally had a meeting about that really yeah i'm not even joking i just remembered this today i, I new stuff pops up all the time where i'm like <laughs> i cannot believe they told us this like all the transgender stuff non-stop i mean that's everywhere now it, it, it's just absolute madness the amount of nonsense they shoved down our throat and if we mention god we're freaks and fanatics and um trying to you know nazis fascists like the, the things that they call us for caring about allah or god jesus yeah the word of muhammad all of it, it it's too much it, it it's it, i don't know what to, i don't know what to do except i i i i love that we're having these conversations there's obviously a hunger for this because you just hit 100,000 subs, you know, and you're just getting started. And there's a hunger for this. And people know that they're empty. And mm. I do believe that, you know, we can easily get discouraged and say the world is going to hell in a handbasket. But I see it's what you focus on, right? And I am focusing on people coming to God. I'm seeing it. I'm it. You know, I'm here. If you told me a year ago I was going to be on YouTube talking to you guys about God and trying <laughs> to figure out like the cool things about the Quran and where we have common ground, like I would have, I would have never believed it. I wouldn't have bought it. 
I would have said, yeah, okay, great. I'm going to win the lottery too, right? <laughs> this is better than the lottery. It really is. Yeah, so absolutely. I, you know, I it gives me hope to see that you know, they, like the church that I belong to, they just built this enormous new chapel because they outgrow. They've been in the same chapel, which is very big, for twenty two or twenty three years, and they outgrew it. And so the new one is opening in the spring, and that doesn't happen if a church is disintegrating. And the media will tell you that religion is is falling to the wayside, but I don't see that in my day to day life. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you guys get pushback though? Oh yeah. Like from Ooh. your from your old friends and your family who haven't come to it yet. Helena, you... Helena, it's it's lonely at the top, and I don't say that narcissistically. Like we're anything above anyone else because Allah might love other people more than we think that Allah loves ourselves. So we shouldn't fall into that mistake. But when you do try to get on self improvement, spiritual improvement, most people are not about that. Most people are just trying to get through the week and just consuming their desires their nafs in the weekends and they don't really understand that so it is lonely very it can be very lonely and that's why i think i enjoy these conversations so much because it's it is companionship on this road um talking with you guys and i love that i get to share it with sunny in this context because i don't know that he wants to hear me like sitting on his bed at night talking about jesus every night like although i wish he would it'd be fine <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, I, it, it's because it, I get pushback about Christianity. Now, from my Christian family, from my Catholic family, I get the like, what, what's all this Jesus stuff all of a sudden? What is this? What do you, are you, are you, my mother called me the other day on Sunday. I called her back and uh, I was like, sorry, I was in church. And she goes, oh, I didn't think you were going because you had company over last night, you know, like, and she knew that. I, my sister and my cousin were sleeping over. And yeah, I was up until four o'clock in the morning talking with them. But I didn't, I wasn't up drinking till 4 a.m. because I knew I had to go to church the next day and I wanted to be there. And she was surprised. And I'm like, when are you going to get it? Like, this is my life now. Um, I get a lot of uh, it, weird looks when I talk about it. And then I also get weird conversations about like, what's with all the Muslim stuff? Mm, that's I, yeah and right did i tell you guys about that when i went home and i was sitting i was like catching up with like a, a bunch of old friends acquaintances and they're like so what's up with all like the islam stuff bro oh, and man. i'm like they're like as like a like a jab and i'm like a quarter of the population is this religion and you don't think it's worth like looking into like <laughs> one in four people like devotes their life to this and you're gonna just like yeah, that's crazy, bro. Like, so do you do you do you really crazy. blame them though, Sonny? Because they're they're kind of their eyes are closed, bro. They're indoctrinated by Western media propaganda. Well, that's the that's the you sad know? thing is like how you 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 don't you can't like get too mad at them because that's yeah. if you just listen to what you're taught in school, then that's what you'd believe. And we've you'd, sat in that we've sat in that way of thinking. You'd be triple jabbed. You'd be going to protest. Like you you, it's crazy. I've judged. I've judged. Uh, the way I'm being judged by other Christians for becoming more Christian, I've done, you know, I've, I've judged Muslims, uh, you know, like who are more religious, like, cause I just don't get it. Like, why, please, you know, like, oh, it's, it seems such a boring life now, but like, it, you know, we could write all the things, all the judgments we receive. I've sat in that judgment and been that judge. So I, I get it, but 
I just want to be like, I just can't wait for other people to have the light bulb go off. You know, I'm excited yeah. for it to go off for you. I know it's going to happen and it's starting to like you're plugged in, but your search for truth will take you to the truth. And I- I'm excited to see that happen too. But yeah, we're getting a lot of judgment like and, you know, some of it is just lighthearted jabbing like what Sonny got from his friends. And some of it is, you know, more mean spirited on both the Christian and the and the um Muslim jabs that I get, you know, like, uh, I'm going to be a fanatic now, a holy roller. Uh, oh, those born agains. Oh, a bunch of weirdos. And then talking to anybody when Islam comes up, you know, they start bringing up, you know, just media talking points about Islam. And And it's, I just do my best to politely address it without trying to convince. Yeah. You know, because I just say, I just say mostly like with regards to this on stuff like, hey, guys, I'm really just I'm having conversations with really lovely people who are helping me Mm. to understand this religion. And one of our main goals is to like, you know, really discuss and find the common ground and see and see that we we can all exist peacefully together. And they're like, oh, I guess that's okay. I'm like, yeah, it's okay to find peace with people who you think are your enemy in your head. You know, and there are Christians who are absolute jerks who are out there hurting people. And there are Muslims out there who are jerks hurting people. Those aren't the people we're talking to, though, or talking about. We're talking about the bulk of true, you know, believers. Um, You know, it's a lot. It's a lot of work. Yeah. Heavier. It's heavier lifting than just like worrying about. Yeah. We're I mean, going to dinner. You know? I don't know. I, I don't care about that stuff like at all, though. If someone's going to judge me for like watching videos on a religion or looking into it, like you're just a bozo. Like that, there's nothing else to it to me. You know what I mean? Like either open your mind to new stuff or just, you know, I, I don't care. Like, I don't know, that's kind of how I'm how I feel about that stuff. Yeah, 100 percent. I mean, when you look at these these people and, and what they say and how they act, there's just a lot of hypocrisy in it, because if you look at recent events, you know, they were burning the Quran in Sweden and people um, aren't really saying anything about it uh, except the Muslims. The Muslims are really the only ones doing protests. Other, you know, libertarians, uh, if re- they really don't care about it. But if someone were to, you know, do that with the rainbow flag or the, um, you know, oh the, the, the patriot flag or in jail. With, yeah, yeah. Or, you know, with the um, is not real flag, then. um and I hope you guys know what I, I mean when I say it's not real. Um, then you know we'd be anti something, but when you do it with the Quran, it's not Islamophobic, it's not bigoted, it's not incorrect, and it's not even illegal in Sweden. He, the guy who did it got permission. So when you look at things like that, you find that these people don't have anything consistent. They don't have anything that is um, that is solid, that's axiomatic. They're just going based off of whatever society is pushing, and that's something that is ever changing. Um, and the worst part about it, I'd say, is it's not even their beliefs. They're, these, and this is so- something that me and Sonny were speaking about in the last time he came on. You know, these goals and these beliefs and these ideologies are not something that they created. They have this weird belief that this is something that's fundamentally true, and everyone believes in it. But that's not true. It's only people who live under that uh, state with the ideology that believes in it. So this whole thing about maximizing individual freedom and putting the freedom of of an individual person above the community, 
Um, and this whole idea that religion is bad is something that's unique to Western societies for the last maybe thousand years since, you know, the um, different uh, revolutions and stuff that they had specifically in the West. If you look at the Muslim world, it's, it's quite the opposite. They advanced because of religion. And then, you know, when uh, people in Europe saw that, they took the advancements and left the religion, uh, which is, is, is very unfortunate. But, you know, that history really, really pans yeah. out to today. And when you put that whole picture together, you get a good glimpse at these people. So that's why personally it never bothers me because although I take what they say into consideration, a lot of the time I, I end at the conclusion that I'm sorry, this person is really just ignorant. They are presupposing that Islam is wrong. They're presupposing God doesn't exist and that religion is bad. But that's not what's more foolish than that. I couldn't tell you. I, I, I genuinely couldn't tell you. What, if, if I've been saying this. If you strictly followed the liberal woke agenda, your life would be in complete shambles. Complete yeah. shambles. From a little kid, if you can't focus as a third grader, you're on pills. If you're older, regardless if you're obese, have good habits, you get on pills to, to cure your depression. Yeah. Because, you know, even though you're fat, you don't go to the gym, you don't do anything good in your life, you know, you have chemical depression. Like, yeah, all right. That's that's the way it is. I, I don't even want to go into the rest of the stuff because if you talk about it, they shut you up. So doesn't that alone speak for mm. itself? Yeah. yeah. So can you tell me more about this this Quran burning thing in in Sweden? Because I haven't I haven't followed it at all. I've seen a couple things on Twitter, kind of similar to what you just said. Maybe it was you on Twitter, and I didn't even realize it. But like you know, uh, it's okay. And I I know I it, it, about the if you burn uh you know you burn a, a trans flag it's hate speech if you burn a quran it's just fine and yeah. so i know what's happening but i really have no context or details at all i'd love to hear hear what you you know be educated on that yeah so i in terms of specifics i don't know much all i know is that there's a group um uh, led by a certain individual who is very much against islam in particular in sweden and they actually got permission to publicly burn the Quran to make some kind of statement. Um, what that statement is, I'm not sure, but you know, it's clearly something that is bigoted and Islamophobic. Um, many nations and, and groups have condemned, you know, Sweden and this group for that, Turkey, um, as a nation, and uh, other nations, other people have literally protested in the streets uh, against this. And um, I personally don't know what his reasoning is, what he would say it is, but I'm assuming it's something along the lines of, you know. Um, liberty, we need to be free, and religion keeps us in change, and Islam does blah, 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 blah. Which is just so ironic. Ironically. Like, I, like it's laughable. Yeah. Because religion is mm. the most freeing thing that I have ever found. It's crazy yeah. to live by God's rules instead of by these man-made societal, cultural rules that are ever changing and are mostly vapid and really offer nothing of any substance or lasting substance and you can't take it with you any of it so anyway that i'm sorry to laugh but that's laughable that religion puts you in chains um now i'm sure there are some religions or parts of religions that are misinterpreted by human beings and mm -hmm. do that you know i'm sure there's there there's some reason there so are these protests, uh, have they been peaceful? Yeah, absolutely. They're just, you know, in the street chanting, you know, the, the Shahada, which is I bear witness there's none worthy of worship except God. And I bear witness that the Prophet Muhammad is the prophet and messenger or the servant and uh, prophet of God. Uh, sorry, servant and messenger of God. 
you know, they're just chanting that in the street, showing that, you know, they're not going to step down from their faith. They're not going to step away. They're not going to cave in. And that Islam is something and Muslims are people that, you know, will be here uh, for longer than a lot of these Islamophobic and bigoted people and groups. You know, they will, you know, pass out or pass away long, long before Islam, you know, withers away. Huh. Okay. So, wait, I just had a question and I lost it. My no, bad. Gonna, but, go ahead. No, go. You give me the answers. While, while you me. think of it, while you think of it, let me put up some of these uh, super chats asking about you guys. Okay. The first one is, how old is Faz? Nineteen. Wow. Nineteen, bro, young buck. Yeah. Oh yeah. Another one. Where's Angel? It's late where Angel is right now in Europe, so unfortunately you couldn't make it. Mm-hmm. Do Sunny Faz mom, uh, Sunny Faz and mom believe in objective morality? Look at us! You just stumped uh-huh. us. Like, what? What? What is objective morality? Tommy, do you want to sum it up? Yeah. So, objective morality is just a standard of beliefs: what is good and what is evil. That is always true. That's absolutely true. As Christians believe in this because it comes from God. They believe that sins, what is sinful, what is permissible, comes from God. Muslims believe the same thing. You know, if God says don't do this, you can't do it. That's that's you know haram in our case, and in your case, it's sinful. And if God says, you know, you can do something or he doesn't prohibit it, then you can do it. That's what morality is. So, for example, you know, offing somebody in Christianity and Islam is uh, forbidden. That's objectively true, um, given to us from God. The reason they ask is because a lot of these people cannot believe in an objective morality because they have no way to prove that it's absolutely true. You know, the whole discussion of can you prove that, you know, offing someone is wrong without using God? You know, not, they mm. failed to do that. So I think that's just what they're asking you. Okay, I think I got thrown off by the word objective. Um, yes, I would say that that's that's absolutely something that I believe in, and I think that's where I go back to that our common ground is very strong. Wait, isn't the thing? Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. It's 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 kind of like ten. It's like kind of ten commandments ish. If you go yeah, back yeah, to yeah. Moses with the ten commandments and honor God, honor your mother, you know, honor your parents. Um, I mixed don't it kill up. Anybody. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, those basic those basic rules for being a decent human being that came from God, absolutely. And... Uh, yeah, I mean, because like the thing is too with like the Quran that I've also looked into is like if you just follow the book, it's like a map for your life to be to go well, you know, in in so many different aspects, which is so weird. Even at the time where it was saying like don't eat pork, like they didn't know back then like the scientific effects of eating pork and how it's bad for you. There's so many like plucking your eyebrows is bad because that's been recently proven to kill brain cells i've been talking with my 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 muslim friends about it but there's so many different wow. like random what? have you not bro, heard that one bro no i have tapping no way that's what he said so don't take my word for it no i'll do research but it's like it makes... everybody's looking that up now no but yeah. there's... <laughs> someone link some studies inshallah because we need to see this but if I if I see something where there's so many revelations where if you followed it, your life would be better. And then I see the agenda that's shoved down our throat, which is if you followed it, your life would be 10 times worse. It's hmm. like, what's, you know, what's really so bad? Yeah, mm-hmm. right. Um, what's so bad about respecting life? I don't know. I like when I'm called an extremist. So I, <laughs> you know, just when you were talking about about offing someone, um, the I, I was always a pro-choice supporter of pro-choice legislation here in America. Um, I told Sunny that I 
participate. I've never, by the grace of God, you know, never had an abortion, but had have twice taken women to the abortion clinic and participated in that extent, being there, being the person that drove them there, waited for them, got them home safely, supported them emotionally. And now, for a lot of reasons, one, the science is so much more advanced. We understand so much more about what's going on inside a woman's body from the moment she becomes pregnant. The my my deeper relationship with God and understanding that no life is a mistake, that we are all His children, or as you would call His creations. So, oh God, where was I going with this? You know, that I I get deeper and deeper and deeper rooted into that. Um, the, these objective moral laws and I'm um, called a, an extremist and a woman hater. Oh. And it's really, it, it, it's so sad for me to see young it's, women so flip about having abortions. It's a human right. What do you mean? Yeah. Right. And Hathaway, that actress was like, yeah, abortion is a human right. And I'm like, what, what human like, what are you talking like, How is it a human right to kill? And where do we draw that line? When is it okay to just kill somebody? You know, mm -hmm. the human so right to just there's, kind of there's, watch very, around? there's a very specific answer in Islam, in the Sharia. It's permissible for abortion in very extreme circumstances. For example, if otherwise it would have affected the mother and she would have passed away. And there's a list of these. But the way that they're doing in the godless West, willy-nilly, just, you know, killing babies. Mm. That's not something that's that's haram, bro, as, as Sunny always says. It's, it's haram. like haram with a capital I H. Like that that's very, yeah, all caps haram. I'm sorry. That's really serious. And uh, what is so wrong with being somebody, you know, here we are, people who respect life and want to give everyone a chance at, at being alive and living to their potential that God gave them. Like if, again, if that's extreme and that's crazy, then okay, call me whatever you want. That's fine. I can live with that. Uh, and it creates, that's another thing that creates problems in my life because there are people that I'm close with in my friends and family circles that are where I used to be. Hmm. It's hard. It's hard. It's lonely. Like you said, it gets lonely. And that's where these conversations, like I said, really are a comfort to me. Yeah. 100%. And, and once you become a little more, um, well, you know, well equipped and well versed on, you know, what they believe and how to really demonstrate why they don't actually believe anything objectively, then I really think they're going to um, stop wanting to talk to you about it out of uh, out of shyness. You know, they, they don't know what they're talking about. As soon as you explain to them that these beliefs are, are not objective, they're not theirs, and you you break it down in the sense that we need God to know how to live, you know, and run society, uh, and that having these laws of, you know, abortion or for abortion um, is essentially just so people can be promiscuous without consequence. Yeah. You know, um, and that's that's a shame because, again, it's just highlighting their libertarian views that I want to be able to do whatever I want without consequence. But newsflash, this is life. You know, this is, this is not a dream. If you want to, you know, sleep and, and have a, a, a sensual dream, go for it. But in real life, you know, that's not how it works. And we deal with consequences. And that's why God has given us an instruction um, on how to live life. But uh, moving away from the libertarians and, and, and that stuff in the West. I want to ask you two how you guys believe you've grown, you know, since we we all four, five of us, including Anil, have spoken, you know, in your journey and finding truth and religion and all that stuff. Yo, before before you guys answer, Rami, I was thinking of real quick going to pray Maghrib. 
Yeah. And then when I come back, if you want to take that opportunity, otherwise we're going to miss that. I'm uh, three hours before you. Oh, got you, got you. Okay. Yeah. So I'm going to go then. I'll be back. Inshallah. No worries, bro. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, so the question was, how has it changed me? It's definitely opened up my my eyes more to the... Oh, oh my bad. Just playing around with it. <laughs> Forgive me. It's all good. It's definitely opened my, my, my eyes more to just like the absolute degeneracy that's everywhere i definitely say that's the um the biggest factor it's just like you can see how if you follow this your life could be so good and it's like a book with so many different life lessons that'll teach you you know how to be a good person um stuff about business a bunch of just a bunch of stuff you couldn't even imagine that i've been i've been learning and you know, if you, I mean, I, I keep repeating myself. Yeah, but you're right. Like there are things like Sunny and I will be, you know, because it's our business or online and, and some something will come up on TikTok talk that's really promiscuous. And we, you know, we look at it now and like, I'm like, it makes me sad. I'm like, I'm sad for that girl. I'm sad for her. She's so lost. Yeah. And he's like, oh, yikes, look at this. Like he, he has no, not that he can't appreciate the beauty of a woman in, you know, various stages of whatever but he also looks at that as this isn't a girl that i want to hang out with mm -hmm. no because it's, you know, it's so crazy to think things. though too that there was like a time where i'm sure everyone went through this that you know wasn't just born religious like they'd see girls on tiktok and they'd be like yeah or they'd follow all these model pages where it's like half naked girls and be like yeah bro look at this and i'm just at this point i'm just like that's so gross like, oh my god he showed me a, he showed me a, a, an instagram of this 16 year old girl the other day in stages oh of god. undress and positions that i was like where are parents oh my god i i had such a, a i always would have looked at it and been like all right this girl somebody needs to somebody needs to rein her in but i i have like a, a stronger reaction to it now because i'm worried about her now i look at her and i think she's 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 going to do so much emotional damage to herself by over sexualizing herself at this mm -hmm. age when she's i mean she's 16 and the things that must be coming at her that she is not mentally, uh, you know, able to equip yet. So it's changed our um, our tolerance for regular modern society. It really has, and it's changed me personally in how frequent, even alcohol, like how frequently I drink or how much I drink. I still drink, you know. It's all right. I'm not, but I I am so much more moderated now. Mm -hmm. You know, I am not wake. You know, if I overdo it, I beat myself up beyond belief because I wasted a day being hungover, or even a morning being hungover. Where, you know, it used to be like that was just part of the morning, and you're just uh, oh, you know, I oh, had fun last night. Price I pay, and now I see like I'm wasting a day that I'm supposed to be kind of doing this bigger work. Yeah. So it's really how about now? How about you talking? Like before you started talking to us or outside of talking to us, do you, do you have um, Christian, like more conversations with Christians like me who are, you know, how, how does that change your, if at all, your perception of this other, the other team? <laughs> um, I have learned a lot uh, in the last few years that that has really changed, you know, how I see Christians, how I see atheists, how I see Jews, how I see a lot of different groups of people and it's 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 funny how obviously there are you know 
base similarities as human beings, but there's such complex differences from group to group and, and why they're so strong in identifying with, you know, who they are. I, uh, I've mentioned this a few times before, but I went to a Catholic school and um, I was just following my one of my friends from middle school. He was going there and I'm like, well, I don't, I don't want to go to freaking, you know, this ghetto school. So let me go to this school over here. And I joined him and I wasn't really practicing until maybe grade 11. So two, three years in. And then I started debating with a lot of Christians um, at school, you know, on the bus during, you know, on the way to a field trip to downtown Toronto and, and all these different things, um, using all these, you know, rudimentary arguments that people who just get into Islam start using against Christians. And, um, you know, I was very zealous back then, but I, I didn't really understand a huge part of a Christian's journey uh, with Christianity. And I would say the biggest part of that journey is emotion. Um, and a lot of Christians are so emotionally attached to, you know, Jesus dying for their sins and coming to, you know, basically cleanse the earth and, mm -hmm. um, and that whole, the whole passion narrative. So um, that's why I think there's a big disconnect with, you know, me in the past when I spoke to Christians and other Muslims, when they speak to Christians, because they're trying to really, you know, stick facts in their face and down their throat. And yeah, sometimes it works. Uh, but sometimes it does the exact opposite because um, when someone's so emotionally attached to something, you know, you're just trying to shove it in their face why you think it's wrong and prove to them that it's wrong. A lot of the time it, it has a negative effect. Yes. Um, they begin, you know, hating you for it, unfortunately. So I think that was one of the bigger epiphanies I had, you know, as opposed to like, for example, the Jewish community, a lot of them are very big on on their group, you know, their ethnic group. And even if someone's not um, really practicing Judaism, they'll be very stern in saying they are a Jew because it's both in, you know, an ethnicity and a religion. So, um, right. Yeah. A lot of uh, tangents. It's so complex. And, you know, another thing that's happening for me, and I don't have the time for all of it, you know, I just don't like we have to do our work, we have to make a living and, you know, be, do, be there for family and stuff. But one thing that's happening is I'm now if I were 18 and having the, the these relationship with God and all these feelings that I'm having and the explorations that I'm having now, I would go back to school and I would double major in theology and um, world history because the overlap of the two, like all the wars that were fought, you know, that Muhammad fought, that the, the Romans, the Jews, uh, every time they tried to rise up against the Roman overlords and all of these wars that were so in, in you know, deeply connected to religion and in the name of God in some cases, or just sometimes in the name of, you know, whatever, whatever freedom they wanted or people just taking over the world. It's, it's all so closely connected and I'm fascinated with it. So that's another way it's changed me is that now I find myself late at night on Wikipedia, like just rabbit hole, rabbit hole, rabbit hole, these obscure biblical characters, but not just their biblical role, like the, the historical role or, you know, learning about Josephus, who was, you know, a, a political uh, um, historian in the time of Jesus, you know, who, who mostly wrote about politics and history of the time and, you know, had had a bunch of stuff in there about John the Baptist because John the Baptist was a big prophet at the time. Uh, mm. So I, I just have these new this all these new intellectual interests mm. because of these conversations also. And that's really fun. Mm. Now, I wanted to say someone someone mentioned it's pre-recorded totally. This is not a live stream. I just came back in time and 
Put your comment up. <laughs> Rami, what you got against the ghetto schools? Uh, the ghetto part. Oh, makes sense, right? <laughs> yeah. But um, I just yeah, I say that because the, the name of the school, the first part, sounds uh, like ghetto. Um, I won't say the name for privacy reasons. So it's 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 something that rhymes with ghetto and then veil. So we call it ghetto veil for that reason. Um, it's just more of an inside joke for anyone living in the area. But um, yeah. So back to what you were saying, Elena. Um, I I think like this is this is usually level two for uh, religious people because for Muslims, it's a lot of it is is spiritual and emotional as well. Um, when you get to the more intellectual side of things, you really have to look at the history, the credibility, and the sources and all that. And um, uh, this is something I was doing a lot of research um, with recently, especially in preparation, actually, for, you know, talking with you guys again on, um, you know, the, the historicity of Christianity and, and Islam and all that stuff. If you guys are interested in talking about all of that, but um, who I, I want to ask predominantly, where do you learn from? Because obviously, as with Muslims, there are going to be closed circles that only teach certain things about Islam, about Christianity and, and about the histories. Is this something that you're exploring at all? Do you want to answer or, or just not does not apply right now for you um, before I answer? You can answer. Uh, so I'm reading um, right now a, a lot of books written by Christian uh, theologians or um, Christian scholars. And I do a lot of research on Wikipedia, uh, which I don't necessarily trust because I, I I think that a lot of the stuff on there uh, is, that I find is sometimes slanted. I find for older historical stuff, it doesn't feel um, they just they, they kind of leave out like woke type stuff. So it feels maybe there's some more credibility there. Um, mm -hmm. But and then I'm also tonight, I'm starting a, a seminary class, like a college level seminary class at my church. And I'm taking one semester uh, just one course for the semester. And I'm a little scared because it's heavy subject matter. And it's, you know, got to like read like seven books and write a couple papers and do all this other extra stuff that I haven't done in decades. So that's going to be interesting. Um, so definitely my, my historical stuff, Wikipedia, my religious stuff, definitely coming from in the Christian world. Yeah. Um, and whatever thing I, when I look up stuff about Islam, it is on YouTube and also Wikipedia. <laughs> so uh, we have, there's a copy of the Quran sitting on the kitchen counter that um, I believe you guys sent to us. Thank you. Of course. And Sunny's been, Sunny's been, you know, dipping into it. I have not yet. And not because I'm not interested, just because I just haven't gotten to it yet. But I feel like when I finally pick up a hard book about Islam, I think I, I, I feel like I should start there. Yeah. And then absolutely. I can get into and then I and I will ultimately read a book that's like Islam written by a Christian scholar, Islam about Islam by a Muslim scholar, because I I think that you can't just look at one or the other. You know, if you're reading about Christianity from a Muslim perspective, you're going to learn stuff, but you're going to learn different stuff if you read a book that I give to you. Right. Yeah. So yeah. I'm all over all over the place. Yeah. I should have just yeah. said that. <laughs> no worries it's, it's a good thing because 
um, anyone who is willing just to put themselves in an echo chamber, you know, matter, no matter what their beliefs are, if it's, if it's liberal or Muslim or, or Christian or any other belief, atheist as well, if they're going to put themselves in, in, in an echo chamber, then they're just going to hear the same things repeated over and over again. And if they are not critical thinkers, then they will never challenge those beliefs or be exposed to people who challenge those beliefs. So um, that's, um, that's what I think a lot of Christians aim to do with Muslims and what Muslims aim to do with Christians as well. Um, I want to present to you three kind of statements and I'm, I'm, I'm more so just looking for what your reaction, your reaction would be to these statements. Um, if you're okay with that, Elena, I, I say you specifically because Sonny doesn't seem as, you know, um, inclined as you are to, to learn about, you know, uh, yeah. Christianity and the history. I'm okay with that. I'm also curious to see what Sonny has to say though, if there are any reactions. So yeah, yeah, bring it. Let's All go. right. So the first statement is the gospel accounts, Mark, Matthew, Luke, and John, and the New Testament as a whole is not historically accurate or reliable. So uh, what I know, what, you, know, you know, I'm a beginner. What I'm learning, what I've learned is that the reason they are the gospels is because they were put through rigorous comparison and they were, they were put through rigorous comparison where all the key points line up and actually do do make sense together and they they support each other also um you know certain parts of it are very much historically uh proven geography there's a lot of places you know um people who were in different places at different times um politicians and their records line up with a lot a lot of what happened in the gospel so it's it's that's a talking point that i hear that I've read about um, uh, from a Christian perspective, and it is it is entirely debunked. And I think I was supposed to come prepared to debunk it this time, but I, I forgot because we've like been crazy. That. We've been crazy, and I'm packing for a trip and stuff. So um, I, I that doesn't bother me when I hear that anymore mm -hmm. because there is actually so much uh, factual evidence and scrutiny that has come from the Christian community. Mm -hmm. that has that has validated the gospels okay all right and uh, that's that's a common narrative actually in my research i i came across that counter argument or that rebuttal which is that there are things in the gospels that are you know ge geographically correct or politically correct or in line with like you know what the jewish law was saying and all that stuff um and i also got a kind of more information on that so the reason i believe um, 100 percent of the gospel accounts in the new testament as a whole but let's stick with the gospels for now are not reliable is because and i have a few notes here um this is new testament scholarship consensus so there is no new, new testament scholar as far as i know on the face of the earth that really disagrees with this um and uh, that is that there are no eyewitness testimonies that can be accredited to the gospels at all the authors of the gospels did not claim to be eyewitnesses and if they were, then that would have been a big that's, thing that's, for them to that's, claim. That's not true. Some things they were like it, it, um, two. So you got Matthew, who was a direct disciple of Jesus. That is a firsthand account of almost everything that happened there. Yeah. Um, yes, there were only the women were at the um, at the cross because the disciple, the apostles were chased. Um, they were all running for their lives at the time of the crucifixion. Yeah. Uh, so, but all of the, the miracles were witnessed by 
you know, great number of people and there are eyewitness accounts, they have been scrutinized and they were scrutinized very close in time to when these events happened. So, you know, right at the very early church, you know, St. Peter, um, who we now call St. Peter, Simon Peter, who was Jesus's uh, apple of his eye, his favorite disciple. He was the first Pope of the Catholic church. Uh, he was involved, you know, in a lot of the setting of, of the exact, very specific standards by which they were evaluated. So there are eyewitness accounts and there are some actual artifacts that prove that certain people were in certain places at certain times. Oh God, I got to get better at this. Challenging okay. me. But like, I, I would actually love for you to read the case for Christ. Even if it's, oh, I'm not trying to get you to, yeah. you know, convert. I'm not, like, <laughs> that, that, that's, that's not going to happen. It's not that's my not job. Happening. <laughs> it's not happening. And it's not my purpose, you know, in talking with you. But that book is so, it, 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 there's so much research that was, that went into it yeah. that really outlines exactly yeah. how, how reliable it is. Okay. Yeah. So, so yeah, my, what I'm trying to say is that, the person who actually put, you know, ink to paper and wrote the gospel according to Matthew um, did not claim authorship at all. Yes, it's supposed to be from Matthew's perspective and it's supposed to be a gospel according to him. And there are similarities between Mark, Matthew, Luke and John, but or Mark, Matthew and Luke predominantly. But there is a I'd say a very simple explanation that is kind of consensus amongst New, New Testament scholars, you know, including uh, Christian theologians as well. So that, let me, it, let me... That, that's not true. Uh, uh, let me the consensus let me, part but okay yeah i i said a near consensus i know there are some people who do, who do believe that um you know a more uh kind of trinitarian holy spirit inspired um understanding i get that but most christian scholars um actually let me go through the points and then it will kind of all add up just real quick though it's the opposite it's most christian scholars do believe that he wrote it there is a fringe um who 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 has right we'll talk about that later but yeah, yeah, so. it, it, yeah i'll let you go go ahead so the reason i say this is, is because of the following the gospels when they were actually written they were written in another land so not you know palestine at the time they were written in other places like syria and other lands and another language in greek which mm -hmm. none of the disciples spoke and um, most of them i think didn't even know how to read or write to begin with even in their own language so greek would be completely out of the question for them and it was 40 to 65 years after Jesus's death, which gave basically people 40 to 65 years to circulate stories, whether they're true or fabricated. But the 40 years later, by the time pen was put to ink in the first gospel, according to New Testament scholarship, Mark was written. Um, it had already been at least 40 years and upwards of 65. So what was actually put into there, uh, we don't know if it directly goes back to the disciples themselves or the apostles of Jesus. Um, um, can I can I jump on that real quick? Yeah, um, Luke was a doctor. So he was not only highly intelligent, he was highly literate. Matthew was a tax collector who was uh, extremely educated, highly Did educated. Um, I don't know. I don't know. But I, it is not it is not outside of uh, the realm of um, belief that that he might, you know, these men were educated. Um, I don't know about, I don't know enough about Mark to speak to him. And, um, I know John was literate, but I'm not sure what his, um, 
profession was. He may have been a fisherman. He may have been one of the fishermen. But mm -hmm. I, I can definitely speak to Luke and, and Matthew as both being highly educated men. Yeah. So to, to, to say that they're, they're, they, they're not even literate is, is just inaccurate. And that's where if this information that you're getting is from, you know, like, where is it coming from? Yeah. Are my questions, you know? Yeah. So there are New Testament scholars, um, Bart Ehrman, someone's like, quote, that is quoted a lot. Um, for the Gospels, basically, this this is a statement. This is a statement that kind of summarizes it. And I'm going to provide New Testament scholars who I believe are actually Christian theologians as well uh, that, you know, assert this claim as well. So there's zero evidence to support that Jesus's crucifixion was written by eyewitnesses, not in Christianity. Uh, or sorry, not in Christian, Jewish, or Greek sources. And Dale Martin and Raymond Brown both uh, kind of concede to this point, and that is their opinion. And I did mention... Yeah, they weren't there because they were running for their lives because they were being persecuted. Um, but the eyewitness accounts are from the women, Mary Magdalene, Mary, Jesus's mother, and uh, some others who were actually at the scene. So that is true. So, so that's accurate, but there was an eyewitness account, not a first person account in that situation. Yeah, but th the point that is being made is that the Gospels were not written by eyewitnesses, nor can you attribute it to any eyewitness. So, for example, if there is a there is a person who was and this is a key point, by the way, very not just literate, but trained and skilled in writing uh, stories and, and, and so on and so forth. They actually had specific scribes who basically that was their job. And the reason this is important is because in, in throughout Greek history, historians and other writers, they actually had a habit of inventing dialogue um, basically wherever there was a gap. If they did not know what was said or what conversation was held, but they knew a conversation was held or assumed must, one must have been held, they had a habit of actually inventing dialogue to that which they believe made the most sense. So you have a Greek trained writer writing down, basically in the name of Mark Matthew, in, the, in this case, I'll stick to the first one, the earliest one, in the name of Mark, um, with no claim of being Mark. Uh, and, and basically, we are to assume that they have the correct source. And there's so, a reason. Yeah, go on. Uh, Matthew, you, you can tell stylistically uh, the differences. So if you open up the book of Matthew, it just starts with this like dreadfully long list of the, uh, of genealogy, <laughs> you know, uh, like going way back to, I think predating David, um, and how all the genealogy led to Jesus, right? It's, it's more technical because he was a mathematician. He was a, he was the tax collector and that was the way he, his mind worked. So you can see the stylistic differences in the gospels. And by the standard of even if he narrated them to, to discredit it is is then that standard could be applied to the Quran because Muhammad was also not able to read and write. So and, and I and I and I don't I don't apply that standard to the Quran. And I don't yeah. think that's fair to do that because it's yeah. such an important it's such an important work mm -hmm. um, to, you know, billion two billion people at the moment even more yeah. throughout history so um it, it it's just yeah like these are these are arguments that I, I there was this group of um theologians that got this uh that got uh, god it was in like the 80s or so 
I wish I could remember the name of them, where they got a lot of media attention for basically saying that it was all nonsense and most of the most of the gospels weren't true. And they were a fringe group and they were really like fought back on and the media but made them seem like they were, you know, the gods of this information. And if you look at the media, I mean, that is their job to make themselves the gods and to make pop, you know, pop culture icons and politicians and people in power the gods. So they want to take power away from God. So that is, I mean, I, I'm not sure, like, this sounds like something that came from that group. I, I wish I could remember the name of them. I can't right now. But, so, it, you know, but the, all every, everything that I'm reading is is validating the gospels and i'd love to, and i do need to share that with you and i would say start with the case for christ mm -hmm. as a an interesting place yeah rami just a quick reminder uh they do have to leave by 6 30 which is in like about 15 minutes 15, uh, wow. they have like a prior oh, wow. engagement well, we're we, can back. Do, we can do part three <laughs> yeah we're coming back we're gonna we're gonna talk to more. I love, talk love talking to you guys yeah yeah inshallah just to um to wrap up this this conversation, I do want to clarify two things because I think that maybe there's a bit of, of uh, confusion on it. Uh, firstly, when we look at like for example the Quran, uh, which you brought up, like versus the Gospels and even the Hadith for for that matter, we have a chain of narration of who said it, leading back to the Prophet. So let's say you know Imam Al Bukhari rahimahullah, made a a compilation of things said by the Prophet. For every single narration in that book, we have Bukhari heard it from this person who heard it from that person who heard it from that person all the way back to the Prophet peace be upon him. And all throughout the life of the or from the, the you know passing of the Prophet peace be upon him to that time, they were actually going and writing about these individual people as narrators. Are they authentic? Are they known to be a liar? Do they have bad memory? And, and the level of details is actually astronomical. And the reason I draw that comparison compared to the Gospels is because it's a whole other land, a whole other language, um, and um, a whole other, um, I would say, narrative even. Because you mentioned that when you line up all the Gospels, um, you find the same story. Uh, I believe you're, you're referring to what they call Q, source Q. Um, and the best explanation for Q is that this is something that was closer to the time of Jesus, this source Q, that was not inter. Basically, no one intervened on this narrative. So Paul didn't jump in and say what he thought and, and others. So it's closest to the time of Jesus. And none of it actually contains any of the passion narratives. Q, if you were to go and see, you know, read through Q and what the source is, there's no crucifixion for and dying for the salvation of humanity. There's no resurrection. There's none of this passion narrative stuff. It's more so focused on, you know, Jesus's life and things he was saying and preaching you know, that the, the rich are far from heaven and the poor are closer and so on and so forth. So Paul actually was an eyewitness to, um, you know, all of his uh, ministry, Jesus's ministry. And Luke was um, one of his, one of his uh, students. So Luke's, so Luke's account, for example, is a, a direct uh, account for what he was taught and told by Paul. So Paul did have a a, a big hand in the in the Gospels. In yeah, the I'm not saying Luke, but yeah. so yeah. I mean, it, it, it's just it 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 seems like there's just so much work to discredit the Gospels all the time. But far more work has been done, and this is actually more fringe information. Far more work has been done to credit them, and and and, and I think that that's the that's the reality of why you know a third of the world is Christian you know, because 
there has been so much proof and so much, and there's also historians of the time, like I mentioned, like Josephus, who validate a lot of what was seen. You know, why did, how did Pontius Pilate like uh, end up regretting his decisions and coming and coming to Jesus? It's also not that to me, it doesn't seem like that big of a stretch that any of these would be written in Greek because the first of all, one of Jesus's biggest um, requests of his disciples, the the twelve, was, "I'm gonna I'm gonna put the." power of the Holy Spirit in you. And I ask you to go make disciples of all nations and baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. I can't remember then exactly where it is and which verse, but that's that's how it goes. And so for them to go and he sent them to the far corners of the earth, as far as they could get walking or, you know, on a donkey, right? Back then it wasn't like mm-hmm. now and sent them out. It isn't, it, it is not a stretch that they would learn a new language especially when there's nothing else to do. I mean, it's not like they could just hang out on TikTok and waste time. So, so those things like they're just. I, <sighs> so I, I, I would actually heavily disagree with, with the, the statement that a lot of work has been done to credit the Bible. I would actually say the exact opposite. There have been a tremendous amount of work done to demonstrate that the gospels are actually not historically reliable and that they were um, either conflated with Paul's belief, Paulian Christianity or uh, just complete fabrications and falsehoods. And one example, uh, and I know this is a common argument that, uh, like I mentioned, what was his name? Um, Dr. Peter Williams made, which is that, you know, oh, you find geography in, in the gospel is, is accurate. You find that these laws that, you know, they believe at the time were accurate and all that stuff. I really think it falls short because you mentioned, you know, Pilate, who was the governor at the time, and he seemed so remorseful for Jesus and, you know, kind of declared this man, he was the only one who really declared this man is a son of God, the, the Jewish mob that was really pushing him to, you know, punish Jesus and so on and so forth. You know, you're no friend of Caesar and that stuff that they were yelling at him. You know, this is not historically accurate with what we know about Pilate from Josephus and from Philo, because uh, Philo described Pilate as a man of stubborn, cruel and inflexible disposition. And Josephus specifically said Uh, that Pilate was willing to off an entire mob or a bunch of Jewish people just for peacefully protesting. So yeah, he was a sicko. He was cruel and his heart was changed by Jesus. And that's, and that's, so that's the thing. That's exactly why it's not exactly historically plausible. So if someone wants to make the case that, well, there are geographical truths and things in the gospels and that's what, you know, uh, that's what kind of authenticates them and shows that it's 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 real, despite it them being written anonymously and all that stuff. It really falls apart there because that's not something that's historically plausible. That Pilate would all of a sudden, for this one Jewish man, declare that he's the Son of God and and turn and say, you know, my hands are clean from you know the sins of of this Jewish mob. That's not something that's historically plausible. With I, I, I never heard him say. I never heard that he said that. Um, but I listen. Here's what I'm going to do. Okay, because I'm not. I'm not prepared. And I love that you're prepared. What I'm going to do is take this part of the conversation and I'm going to do a reaction video to it, which is not fair, but I acknowledge in advance and you, and then we can maybe even watch that together and, and react to it. So, because, you know, somebody is telling, you know, somebody put up a comment, prove it, this and that. I, I have read a lot about this and like all these things that you're saying to me aren't foreign, but I'm just not well-versed in, in, enough in it. I'm taking my very first theology class ever tonight, starting in, you know, 
an hour. So I'm very excited about that. I don't expect those answers tonight, but I know where to find them because I've, I've read a lot about these things. So I'm going to do that. And then I, I would like to, you know, respond that way. Uh, <laughs> if that's okay. And then we can, you know, get back together and take it from there. Because I, I, again, I, I, I know that, and, and the Q thing I think is a, also a fringe um, conversation, but I will address that as well. This specific thing, uh, I'm going to address all of it. Okay, guys, no worries. To, to, to all the comments saying she always says that she is running away. No, that's, listen, there's no compulsion in Dean, right? She has to do her own research, but she's basically saying that, you know, next time it'll be a little bit more prepared. Yeah, it's it's not easy to come onto a stream and, you know, have to discuss things um, this deep and this uh, academically complex. You know, I'm not I'm not claiming that I know everything. And, um, you know, I'm more prepared now than I was last time. But last time, you know, I wouldn't have appreciated someone, you know, making those kind of comments. And uh, to be completely fair and honest, I don't think a lot of you guys would do much better um, given a platform like this. So let's be respectful. <laughs> And Yo, uh, Elena, if thanks, they, guys. I'm not hurt by the comments, but thank you yeah, for standing up really for me. I appreciate it. You're gentlemen, and I appreciate uh, the defense. <laughs> without without saying the H word or the G word, how would you guys answer this? The Pope has okayed basically the LGTV electronics movement. Uh, what do you guys think about that? He has not. Um, well, it's only just <laughs> gay lifestyle, lesbian and gay lifestyle. Yeah, Pope Francis. Let's let's, did... let's try not to say those words because we're gonna get a we're gonna get a strike. Oh yeah. oh oh okay. I see. Oh, I didn't. Oh gosh. So okay. many rules. So many Do rules. They bug you about that? Really? That's crazy. Um, and people lost their minds. And there's a lot of. I I am a bad Christian in this, and that I do not have even the slightest problem with gay marriage and a gay lifestyle. Uh, G lifestyle and I I have real problems with the um, TQIA plus um, agenda that's being pushed on children and mm -hmm. the over sexualization that's happening to children but the LGB community all they ever wanted was equal rights here on earth and I believe that they should have that and have that choice and it's if there if it really is uh, something that God is against, they can deal with God on that. God can deal with them on that, but they're not hurting anybody. So hmm. they're really not. And I don't think they are because they never once said, I want to go into schools and make children like me. The so way what, they, are you, what, are, what are your YA thoughts on, yeah, so what are your thoughts on uh, scientific literature proving that majority of those, I'm not going to say the word, but the P, you know, those that are older and they prey on younger people, majority of them are part of LGB. So meaning you might say live and let live, but it literally by and large makes the community and all the kids at a greater risk of being taken advantage of. So um, I, I haven't seen that data okay. and I would love to, but for the sake of conversation, I'll, 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 I'll assume it's true. <laughs> um, if the peas are leaning towards that, we also know that, a lot of times that you become a P because you have been abused in the past. Mm -hmm. And so I think that in that case, I don't think that talking about a P and talking about a really lovely, uh, productive, loving couple who are same sex is the same thing. I, I don't think that they can even be compared. And I don't think it's fair to okay. compare them, you know, and what like, 
but yeah, if the peas happen to be um, same sex attracted, I think a lot of that probably has to do with the abuse that they endured that got them there. Okay, I, and then what about what about like the spread of like the dis diseases like HIV and AIDS that it's clearly linked to that? It was most it was most prominent in that community. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know what to say about that, except that that just sucks. I mean, what do you like? I don't I'm know. Just, I'm just, I'm just yeah, trying to I don't know. I don't know. Like, it, it, we can't just have like a live and let live mentality. Like, it, it does sound nice, but there are implications of that. Do to you know some I mean? extent, um, yeah. I think that promiscuity, it doesn't matter. Like, excessive promiscuity, whether you're G, L, B, straight, whatever, is, is unhealthy for you, yes, mentally and physically. Well, that's also so I think rule. promiscuity is the problem. But the G's and, and L's in my life, who I'm actually very close friends with, are married. Um, they live by pretty much all the same values I do. Mm. And they're, they're contributor, wonderful contributors to society. They're kind. They're dedicated to each other. They're dedicated to their families. They live pretty traditional marriages. So, you know, I don't, I don't think it's fair to lump everybody in together because we have you know straight people who are super prom promiscuous and that's the promiscuity is the common thread that's the problem and that's where disease gets spread and and you know emotional and spiritual just emptiness so yeah i, I don't know yes my christian brothers and sisters will all hit me over the head with a club and try to change my mind <laughs> that. and i accept that that's fine yeah um from for me personally, I think um, a big mistake is made when there's too much focus or too much leniency put on any topic or any sin. Like in Islam, it is sinful, um, and Muslims, yani, they they won't really go back on that. That is something that is you know sinful. Allah said in the Quran, it's something that's explicit. And um, although we, you know, are not out to control anyone, we believe that it is a sin. And in an Islamic society, that's something that is not permissible. Um, this was a huge talking point about Qatar and all that stuff recently. Um, but again, it's just a matter of this. We don't have secular liberal beliefs. We practice Islam. And if you don't like that, okay, khalas, good for you. That's that's just life. But um, And I think that's okay. I don't have yeah. a problem with you believing that either. And yeah. that's where other people get mad. Like Absolutely. other people who are supporting of those, the, the initial clubs are get mad at me for not mm. being mad at you. I'm like, come on, mm. you know? <laughs> Everybody needs yeah. to just like if sure we're all allowed to believe what we want to believe, like yeah. that includes Muslims. Leave them alone. Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, and I appreciate that very much because, um, you know, Islamically, it's just a sin like you know uh, adultery outside of marriage between a man and a woman. It's they're both sins, and we 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 don't really have a uh, classification of citizenship based on these things like in the West they do. That's that's all a person is in the West. You know. Um, that's who they are. That's their life. That's, you know, the main focus. Mm, and, yeah. um, and now they've extended it uh, to literally their, their identity, what they identify as and all this stuff. Uh, and they've extended it to children. They've extended that yeah. sexual identity being the main identity to children. And it's unbelievable. And I know the West, that's our reputation, but not all of us are like that. And yeah. even, even the, you know, and I'm not just talking about the people that are getting more Jesus-y like me. I'm talking about like regular people are looking at it even if they don't have a relationship with God and going, oh, hell no, this is not okay. So try not, so pray for us, but try not to think that we're all off the rails because we're not, we're not.
please. Yeah, yeah 100%. <laughs> I mean, I live in I live in the West as well. So, you know, I'd, I'd have to throw myself under the bus, which uh, alhamdulillah, I'm not going to yeah, do. Yeah, no, you're so. you're on team sanity. I know. I know what team you're on. Yeah. <laughs> alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. But, um, yeah, I think we're, we're probably, I don't know what time it is, but I think we're probably. Sorry, bro. Sonny, do you have to leave too or? I do have to leave. No, yeah, son. I gotta go. Dude, gotta I'm, go I'm not gonna lie. I'm so hungry right now. No, we'll, we'll, do, we'll do like a little bit of a live QA after Sonny Faz and Elena leave. But it was a pleasure hosting you guys. It really was. Inshallah, next time we can come in with a little bit more prep work. And I think it'll be good. I know. I'm sorry. It, it's been crazy. We've had, like, we started, we've had a lot of uh, loss and a lot of unexpected travel. And uh, I, I, I didn't come as prepared as I'd like. I, I'm going to come as prepared as Rami one time and y'all going to be blown away. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I saw a lot. Of I love it. For... I love it. I love, I love this conversation. I can't say enough how grateful I am. Thank you guys. Of course. Of course. It's our pleasure. And inshallah, hopefully we can uh, all get together soon with Angel as well and continue the discussion. Yes. We tell him we missed him today. <laughs> oh, we will. We will. Absolutely. And uh, I'm sure the feeling is mutual. And barakallah fikum for everyone who joined. Uh, Fayed, Sunny, do you guys have any uh, final words? I think me and Elena spoke for the majority of the second half. No, bro. I think I think me and you, Rami, will just stay for a few minutes. Just quickly wrap up the Q&A. But mm -hmm. nothing. Sunny, what about you? I don't have too much more to add. I saw a lot of spam for Hamza. So Hamza, I guess yeah. we'll have to get a, a Hamza. I guess I'll have to get um, a collab with him going. But um, yeah, thank you guys so much for watching. I'm glad that you like to hear us talk. And we'll do it again, inshallah. inshallah. Um, by the way, Hamza is the the uh, the brother that I sent you on Instagram DM. So if you want to find his page and check the DM between you and me, and uh, you should find the link there. Beautiful. All right, thank you guys so much for joining. Uh, this has been an amazing conversation, and we look forward to speaking to you guys again soon. All, All right. right, talk soon, guys. Peace, guys. Talk soon. Take care. Okay. All right, so. First, uh, firstly, first order of business, brother Ali Chabar. First of all, shout out to you, Allah Mubarak, for always supporting the channel. But he writes, I don't know why I don't get notifications from this channel. Anyone else have this problem, guys? Please let us know. This is like unacceptable, YouTube. Come on. <clears throat> okay, someone asked this, even though it's for Sunny Rami, do you want to address it? Uh, Sonny, how do you see the relation between the definition of God being eternal slash undying and Jesus peeps upon him dying on the cross? Please read the Quran. <laughs> well, yeah, that's definitely for Sonny because I don't uh, I don't have a problem with that because I don't believe Jesus is God. And I don't believe he died either, to be honest. Not yet. <clears throat> Look at this. Someone wrote, no, I don't get notifications. I don't any. Well, yeah, I have the same issues. I think this means I don't either. Well, this is a problem, bro. Yeah, we need to... um tweet actually no we, we we can we have a direct contact now because our, our channel is uh, monetized but before my channel was monetized but i had to tweet at them so it's got to make some noise inshallah and, and get them YouTube, to fix YouTube, it YouTube, something else yeah uh, slam brothers i have a question is it true that if i'm uh in holidays i don't need to fast but if i come back i need to fast for missing the ramadan days thank you um if you are traveling yeah you don't have to fast if you're a traveler um and you do have to make it up afterwards but holidays <laughs> doesn't just mean you go down the street um you know to a an airbnb and chill for a week that's that doesn't mm -hmm. count. Okay, okay. <laughs> next question someone a sister maria asked my friend asked why men can have multiple wives of polygyny but not polyandry which is one woman with multiple men so the easiest answer would be understand that in islam islam was here to basically eradicate a lot of different issues from the ummah and just from the world even non-muslims 
one of the biggest issues is assurance of paternity. We look at studies today where kids that don't know who their father is, how that's problematic, the implications of that, not just with lineage, but inheritance, mental health, there's immense issues. Now, one of the biggest issues is accountability. How are you going to know who you're accountable if you don't know who your kids are? So in Islam, polygyny, up to four wives is permissible because if a man has multiple wives, everyone knows who the mother is and everyone knows who the father is. Let's say the man impregnates all four of their wives, right? All, all of the kids have that man as the father and their respective mothers because it came out of the woman. Do you get what I mean? Now imagine one woman has multiple men. It's not going to work. No one's going to know who the father is. I know today we have paternity tests, but the way it's done, logically, it's, it literally makes no sense. Like you will not be able to tell. This is number one. Number two, Rami, do you want to go? Um, I just want to say that, um, listen, God, and this is not an argument people like to accept, but if you think about it logically, uh, it is the strongest argument. God is all-knowing and all-wise. He created human beings. He knows what is best for us. He knows what is moral and immoral. So if he says men can have multiple partners with the conditions that he marries them, only up to four, he takes care of them and he treats them all equally, then that is something that's permissible. And the same is not allowed for women, again, because God knows that that is not something that is beneficial for men. And he did not create women to be uh, polygamous in any way. Uh, that, I think, is the best answer because... Yeah, and you go to the something axiomatic. You know, Allah is all-knowing and he's all-wise. He said so. That makes it objective. If you want to look for more like the wisdom behind it in this life, then what Fayyad said definitely stands up. Um, you could just look at, you know, men psychologically are able to love multiple women in a way that a lot of women just are not able to love multiple men. They are will not be able to be equal with those guys. And if you think about it, let's say she gets married to four people and she's pregnant, you know, is she really going to tire herself out, uh, you know, sexually accompanying every single man while she's pregnant? Oh, you know, what if what if she only wants two children? Then if one guy is super lucky, he'll have two kids. And if two guys are reasonably lucky, then they'll have one each and the other guys will have nothing. You know, there's things like sperm competition. And you can look at all these arguments, but I think it's useless. I think the first one is just the, the simplest and most straightforward. We are Muslims. Mm -hmm. We obey Allah. And that's uh, what it boils down to. Alhamdulillah. Uh, guys, just a quick disclaimer. We have about 10 to 20 minutes max. So most likely it'll probably be around 10. I don't know when Rami has to go, but please ask your most important questions. Super chats are guaranteed because they show up above all else. Um, and we definitely do want to answer these before we wrap it up. Yeah. Depending on when I can probably stay behind. Um, Inshallah. We'll see. And we're going live on Saturday, uh, 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time anyway, in case we don't get everything done today. Rami, yeah. you want to pin some comments up, bro? <clears throat> sure inshallah let me see i have this one if you want to answer it okay i was just about to put one up but uh slime brothers have a question is true that oh, i already answered that <clears throat> yeah um <laughs> we're, i think we're both trying to put comments up okay, this is the last one like uh i check all the time uh, to see when you guys are on galaxy like day well, alhamdulillah may allah bless you it's not good, bro. something's happening with youtube <laughs> <laughs> may allah bless you bro I mean, but um, yeah. So there was one. I think I lost it here. How many wives are you allowed to have? Um, four is the max for a man if he's able to be, you know, fair with all of them and take care of all of them. If he can't be equal, then he can't have multiple wives. And if he can't give them all the kind of the same standard of living, then he's not allowed to marry more than one wife. Isn't the tafsir of Ibn Kathir that the default is polygyny? Like you have to marry two, three, and four. If you can't, you fear you can't be completely just or at least near that, then you marry one. 
Um, yeah, there there is that opinion that um, uh, since Allah starts with saying Mary two, three, and four, He's encouraging polygyny. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, I, I don't know. There are difference of opinion on that. Mm -hmm. I I think you know, I think that's a reasonable opinion. Yeah. One hundred percent. But you know, it, to each their own. It depends on the context. There was a time where, um, I think the the Amir at the time made it obligatory for everyone to have at least two wives because there was just a lot of unmarried women. You know, obviously that's a, a fitna for them. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> uh, didn't we do a stream with Bobby's perspective? Yeah, a while yeah, ago. Yeah, we already did like a year ago. Inshallah, we'll bring him back. Yeah, inshallah, inshallah. Um, is it permissible to persuade your husband not to marry a second wife? Um, it's 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 permissible to tell him that you don't want it and to, and to try and, and you know um, get him to not marry another wife. But uh, if he wants to and he's able to, you know that is his right. Um, but I always recommend speaking with whoever you want to marry about this beforehand um, and settling it before you guys get married. Because you don't want to put yourself in a situation where it's for some reason the worst thing in the world for you, but he gets another wife and then you go through all this like emotional trauma and stress because you've been taught your whole life that it's wrong and you have to deal with this cognitive dissonance. So you can you can try, but at the end of the day, just know that Allah has made it permissible for him. And what would be better is that you understand that it's not something that's bad. It's not something that's wrong. And that's going to take a lot of work from you and a lot of work from the sisters. But um, if they have difficulty with that, I'd say start with the, what's more basic. Who is Allah? Why do we worship him? Why is he worthy of worship? And and start with the basics of, you know, our belief in Islam. Mm, okay. Someone wrote Matrix is attacking you guys. That's why no notification. <laughs> mm -hmm. Let's see. Is the Discord up? If so, what is the link? Yeah, it is. Uh, did we put it in the description? Yes. Yet? Yeah, when so you send in the description. Alhamdulillah, it's okay. in the description. You guys can join up, inshallah. Forgot to announce that. So, Jazakallah khair for asking. Abdul Karim, Barakallah Fikum, bro. May Allah bless you for becoming a member. A member, pardon me. And inshallah, many, many more to come. Uh, if the wife doesn't agree, then you treat her less, right? Then he isn't treating them equal. Um, no, not at all. Treat in terms of um, you know, how much you give to them. We're not able to equally love or feel the same exact emotions for people. We're not judged for that. It's based on, you know, I don't get one wife, a 2004 Toyota, Cam uh, Toyota Corolla, and I, I, I buy the other one, a C-Class Mercedes uh, that's brand new. You know, that would be unjust, unfair. It's not that I have one living in a basement, the other one's living in a mansion. You know, you have to be equal with them in that sense. Hmm. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know. Gosk a scholar. I do want to address something, though. I do want to address something because... Ooh, bro, come on. This can't be by chance. <laughs> Announce it, bro. Announce it. Yeah, inshallah, we actually, we're going to have him come on in uh, early February. I think it's the 10th, but uh, that's... Uh, I'd, I have to check. So, yeah, it's Friday, February 10th. We booked it in advance. Alhamdulillah. Okay, barakallah fikum, bro. Yeah, so inshallah, you guys can look forward to that. I definitely am. A lot of the notes that I took, bro, I had like seven pages worth of notes, bro. Um, no, look at all this stuff, man. I was ready to go. Uh, most of it or all of it came from uh, his lectures and, and his uh, life change, uh, predominantly with blogging theology. Uh, so I suggest you guys check that out. But there is something I want to I want to discuss because I think it's it's important. Um, it's kind of like the elephant in the room. The whole thing about you know bring this person, bring that person. This is something that uh, yeah, this is something that we've talked about before. Um, you guys, as viewers, you have to understand that we're dealing with human beings here. And I know maybe it doesn't look like it, it doesn't seem like it, but me personally, I've been discussing with people about religion and interfaith discussions, all this stuff for, for a few years now, alhamdulillah. And although I'm not, I'm definitely nowhere near the top of the uh, the chain in that, 
I do have a good amount of experience in that. So yes, I did my preparation, alhamdulillah, and I was ready, but I was also ready not to discuss that stuff at all. Because like I mentioned, and I hope you guys got the hint, I was just trying to say that um, a lot of the time it's emotional for people and they're not ready for like logical arguments or evidence and that stuff. And I genuinely believe that is the case uh, for, for uh, Sister Elena. I don't think she's at that place yet. And there's nothing I or Hamza or Sheikh Uthman or Muhammad Hijab or anyone can do to, to force them there. Obviously, um, Hamza's, Hamza and uh, Sheikh Uthman and uh, Muhammad <laughs> Hijab, alaikum, bro. Um, obviously, these guys have a lot more experience than us. Mm -hmm. But there are some comments I saw that were really upsetting. Something along the lines of, if, if this person comes, then they'll accept Islam in two minutes. Um, that's not how it works. Uh, you know, Hidayah comes from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And um, maybe Hamza would just hit all the right points, but maybe it, it would be something that's, you know, really tremendously bad. This is something that we spoke about after bringing Sheikh Uthman for the conversation with Sneeko and Don. Um, it was it had a really negative impact if you think about it. And looking back, there could have we could have dealt with it in a, a much more wise manner. So I know you guys want to see, and I was there as well. You know, I know you guys want to see the refute this, refute that, stick it in their face, show them the evidence, make them, you know, cry for their mommy. That stuff doesn't work. A lot of the time it doesn't. So we have to play the long game. We have to be, you know, fair and genuine and kind with them. And I guarantee, I'm I'm not not guarantee. I'm 90% sure if I did that to the degree you guys wanted me to, and if I stuck all these notes in their in in, in their face and I, and I said, Elena, stop cutting me off. I'm gonna finish my point. And I was really rough, uh, kind of like comes a style, may Allah bless him, then I I don't think she would come back again. I'm gonna be completely honest. Yeah, and there's there's a time and place for Hamza's den type dawah. And a lot of people can't handle that. My per particular personal experience with Christians is their entire theology, their entire belief, Aqidah, makes no sense logically. It literally rationally makes no sense, this whole Trinitarianism. And when you come into it with logic, they don't, they don't want to accept it, bro. Look at Don, a man, a man that, you know, acts confident, acts sure and certain and secure in his beliefs. Look at how he acted, bro. And Mela guide him, I mean, but it goes to show like if their entire existence in their theology makes no sense logically, you're not going to do much coming at it aggressively with logic alone. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And um, I, I, I don't think they would have appreciated us just bringing someone on the fly, you know, like think about it from, from, from their perspective. Imagine you guys were invited on a podcast to talk about your belief, um, someone who's a layman in Islam or whatever. And then, you know, you're invited to speak about Islam and they bring on like, you know, uh, William Lane Craig or like Ruslan or someone who's been doing it for years and they just completely stump you with arguments. I don't think you would appreciate that either. Uh, and knowing Hamza, may Allah bless him, he's he's really the type, you know, that, that's why they call him a lion. That's why his intro is a freaking a lion on fire because that's <laughs> his style. That's how he is. So uh, I just, we made a judgment call. It would not have been fair. And um, I did reach out to them beforehand, which you guys don't know, um, uh, basically trying to get them in touch with Hamza so they, they can go and speak to him on their own volition. Um, so may Allah bless you guys. That's like the full story, alhamdulillah. Uh, you guys are doing a great job. His mom's probably his mom uh, probably will deny every fact. Anyway, Allahu alam, bro. Allahu alam. You know, we also don't want to jump to that uh, that conclusion as well. Um, mm -hmm. Smack that like button. Barakalafikum. Why was everyone saying invite speed? <laughs> I don't get it. Was that just a joke? <laughs> Bro, they were just joking. They were like invite speed. And Mufti Mank wants to join. Zakir Naik wants to join. I was like, yeah, right. Yeah, guys right. by the way i'm in california um i want to speak with aiden ross so everyone go to wherever his video stream is i think he's banned but uh spam yeah. you know go talk to the three muslims you know let's get him on the stream inshallah pull up bro pull up on pull up to his crib 
inshallah. If Where's I'm he in Beverly Hills? I have no idea. But he invited H3 recently, and I'm like, bro, if he's going to talk to Ethan Klein, bro, then <sighs> no, inshallah, he might as well talk to a Muslim, bro. So inshallah, we'll see. Just go comment and um, respectfully uh, invite him to, to come speak with us. Inshallah. All right, so coming up, guys, a lot of people are wondering when we are going live next, inshallah. Our next stream is going to be this Saturday, inshallah, at 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, and then after that, next Wednesday. Any last-minute questions, please let us know right now before we wrap it up, inshallah. Inshallah. <laughs> One person got the notification. Alhamdulillah. When will Gabriel be back? That's a good question. That's a good <laughs> question. I guess whenever we invite him. <clears throat> Hamza then Hamza says, "Guys, I'm doing a live stream on my own YouTube uh, channel." Sucks for just wrapping it up. I uh, know. I think it's a good thing because once we end, inshallah, the viewers can go jump on. His oh, stream. guys, please go over to Hamza's den, inshallah, show him some love, and Hamza. Please let's get a let's get a stream inshallah sometime inshallah inshallah an organized one we don't really like to do like last minute things um because of the aforementioned reasons alhamdulillah yeah Rami you want to put some last minute questions uh yeah inshallah let's uh how many thumbs up do you guys see i don't see any um but it should we have 1258 there should be at least 50,000 likes inshallah <laughs> We got nine 9.51. This is a good question. Uh, are you guys going to open a Rumble channel? Uh, it would be nice to hear the dark truths of the world from your perspective. We have spoken about that. I think that would be the easiest way to post unfiltered content. But we are also, we have a team working on a website for us where we effectively wanted to do the same thing, uh, which is post our own content on there, inshallah. Mm. Aiden Ross is on band, by the way. Oh, yeah? Alhamdulillah. According to someone in the live chat. Okay, that's amazing. So, uh, yeah, everyone go and uh, basically comment. I don't, I don't want you guys to pay for a super chat, but at least comment, uh, saying that you should check out the three Muslims and uh, uh, that uh, I'm in California and I, I'll uh, pull up anytime, inshallah, respectfully. Hmm. Uh, the three Muslims, uh, why the apostles oppose the ideology of Paul and what was the ideology? So, if so, then if Paul considered Isa as Lord, so is Paul in hell. Or the apostles. So, firstly, what we have to understand is that a lot of um, Greco-Roman literature in general—I'm going to remove the comment—but a lot of Greco-Roman literature in general is horribly kept. The time of Jesus was more so, you know, better kept because of the predominant figure that he is or was taken to be at uh, maybe a later point after his uh, death or disappearance from our eyes. Um, but it's it, it's generally horribly kept. So, I do want to make the 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 points, if you guys will permit it and fight, if you're okay with it, that I wanted to make to uh, Sonny Faz and his mom, just so you guys get a good idea of where Christendom kind of stands, academically speaking, or at least from one plausible uh, historical reading. Um, before I do, I would suggest watching the recent video with Blogging Theology and um, Dr. Ali uh, Atai on Blogging Theology's channel on the crucifixion of Jesus, uh, peace and blessings be upon him. Hmm. And if it's historically plausible to say that Jesus was not crucified. Uh, so if I, would you let me uh, go through these or do you have to go? No, please go through them. And I uh, just want to give you a quick warning from Brother Bilal that you're in godless LA, bro, land of shaitan. <laughs> you already know that, bro. Yeah, inshallah, I'll bring them to Islam, bro. Let <laughs> me preaching from the, uh, from the hills and the mountains. <laughs> uh, by the way, how long will this take approximately? 
Um, as long or as short as you need it to be, bro. Oh, in that case, I'm here for like until seven, which is eight minutes. But you can also feel free to just continue the stream if you want. Okay. I, um, you can, you can, if I go on too long, which I probably will, because I have a tendency to do that, you can jump in and let me know. Then um, I'll just carry on ending myself. So first and foremost, the point that I was trying to mention before is that the gospel accounts in New Testament are not reliable as a whole. And this is something that is basically, um, or what I'm about to say is consensus amongst New Testament scholars, which is there is no credible eyewitness testimony from the four gospels. And when I say the four gospels, I mean the four Greek writers who put down, uh, you know, ink to paper and wrote the gospel according to Mark, Matthew, Luke, and John. So you have basically this Greek man who was taught how to write with his preconceived beliefs and all that stuff. Um, write down the gospel of Mark 40 to 65 years after Jesus had you know, passed away or disappeared or whatever. That's 40 to 65 years of you know, um, misquoting, um, misdelivering, misspeaking, mistranslating, uh, or fabricating stories in the life of Jesus. Peace and blessings be upon him. There are no eyewitness accounts of the crucifixion. There are no eyewitness accounts of the crucifixion. I'll say it one more time. There are no zero eyewitness testimony accounts of the crucifixion. Although the Gospels all kind of appeal to those, and although there were some people who believed Jesus was crucified, this was not the only view. This was just the view that became most dominant. Uh, and I will speak more about that, inshallah. Secondly, Paul had his Gospel circulating long before Mark wrote his gospel. And let me tell you what, what Paul believes. Paul, as some describe him, was a, <coughs> Hel Hel uh, I think it was Hellenistic, um, uh, kind of Trinitarian, a subordinationist as well. right? And this is written throughout his works. And it, once you dig into it and you watch the, the lecture from Dr. Ali Atai, you will see how in-depth it really is. So Paul was a person the first person, by the way, who believed the crucified Messiah. There are people who believe Jesus was crucified, but not the Messiah. And there are people who believe that Jesus was the Messiah, but was not crucified. Paul was the first person to come, take these two beliefs and mesh them together and say, no, he was the Messiah who came and died for the sins of, uh, of humanity and those who believe in him. <clears throat> so, on top of that, there's a few points that Paul writes about himself. I'm gonna, there's a lot, but I'm gonna zoom through it, inshallah. Just hit the major points. Yeah, we all know Jesus never met, um, or sorry, Paul never met Jesus, um, did not see the crucifixion, blah, 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 all that stuff. But what does Paul write? Paul wrote that his message was not given to him by man, but was directly revealed to him from Jesus himself. What does this mean? This means that Paul did not get his information from the disciples. Paul did not get his information from the apostles. He got his information directly from Jesus himself. So if you go back in the chain of where Paul got it from, it's from himself. He just basically said that he heard it from Jesus uh, in this vision that he got. Paul seemed to be the first person uh, oh, that I already mentioned that believed the crucified Messiah and all that. And I want to read a few verses that Paul himself wrote. He said in Galatians 3.1, Who has bewitched you? that you should not obey the truth before your eyes, Jesus was portrayed as crucified. Now, what does this tell us? Someone might glance at it and say, so what? He's just preaching his belief. But if you think about it, 
he's he's writing to people. He's speaking to people. And he's saying, why don't you believe Jesus was crucified? Which shows what? That people did not believe Jesus was crucified. What else? He says in 1 Corinthians 2, 2, I taught you nothing except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Why does he keep emphasizing to these people that he's teaching that Jesus was crucified because they did not believe that he was? And when I say they, I'm talking about the James and, uh, you know, the followers of James, who was the head of the temple after Jesus, peace be upon him, uh, had left. Uh, Philippians 3.19, for many people are enemies of the cross. He's specifically saying there are many people who he has to deal with that are enemies to the cross. They don't believe Jesus crucified and they're going to basically keep saying Jesus was not crucified because he was the only one who believed the Messiah, Jesus Christ, was crucified. And I'm going to skip one and just go to a really big one, which is Romans 3, 7. It's something that I think a lot of Muslims are familiar with, where Paul writes, If my lie brings forth the truth of God, how can you call me a sinner? Excuse me? He's saying, well, I believe to be true. If I lie about it, but it brings people to the, the truth, then how am I a sinner? So what was this lie that he was caught in? Was it that, you know, Jesus was crucified was it that Jesus died for the sin of humanity? Was it that he did not actually get revelation from Jesus? What was the lie? We don't know. But it's clear that James had to deal with a lot of people, namely the people from Nazareth, the followers of James, the Ebionites, who did not believe this weird Christology that Paul seemed to have believed. And then lastly, and I think the most astonishing of all, is that Greek pagan thought was inserted into the Gospels. Now, what do I mean by this? This is something we hear a lot, but let me give you guys something a little more definitive, inshallah. There was something called um, henotheistic polytheism, which is what you know the Greeks kind of practiced once upon a time. Um, and that is the, the belief. Henotheistic polytheism is a belief, basically, or the devotion, the acceptance of one main god, you know, hotheos, one main God, but also while accepting the existence of other deities. Hinduism is a uh, henotheistic, polytheistic religion. Zoroastrianism is, is also a henotheistic, polytheistic, polytheistic religion. Christianity is also a uh, henotheistic, polytheistic religion. Try say that seven times and you'll stutter as much as I did. Alhamdulillah. But, um, and why is that? It's because John, Mark, Matthew, Luke, and Paul himself were subordinationists. I'm going to close my book now. Alhamdulillah. They were subordinationists, which, which means what? It means that they believe that Hotheos, God himself, the Father, is the God. But that he manifests himself or that he be, be basically begets or that he not created or created in not the traditional sense, the Son, the Logos, who is also God, the Word of God. Right? That's why you find in John 1.1, 1, 1, uh, speaking about in the beginning was God and, and so on and so forth. When speaking about what people say is God, he says hotheos, basically the God. When speaking about Jesus in the word, it says logos. You know, it's a lowercase g God, which means maybe godly, but not the God. You know, as the Hindus would say Brahman, or as in Greek, they would say hotheos, the God. And what's funny is that Paul himself, and this is the biggest, I think, testimony uh, of himself, that he's a subordinationist and not a Nicene Trinitarian is that he wrote, and I can find the source if you want, I have in my book, but I close it. I don't want to open it anymore and bore you guys with that. He wrote, the head of man is Christ. And he used the Greek word kephale, which means literally a head. 
He said, the head of man is Christ. And in that same verse at the end, he says, and the head of Christ is God. So the same way that Christ is an authority and, you know, the head of us, the, the God, the father is an authority and the head of Christ. So he was clearly a subordinationist. And this is what he was trying to teach, that Jesus was godly in some sense where he's not identical in being to God and that God sent his half, basically man God to come and die for the sins of humanity. And uh, I'm going to end it there based, basically just on my own, uh, my own ignorance. I'm not able to delve much deeper because that was all I could kind of study. But for an actual academic proper in-depth um, video on this, again, Dr. Ali Atai on Vlogging Theology in his recent video about the crucifixion. Barakallah fikum, everyone, for listening to that. And Jazakallah Khairfaid for staying past seven. Of course, bro, of course. I really much look forward to it. Zena, bro, Fahd be chilling for real. <laughs> I mean, uh, let's see. Mela, make me as you see me. Allahumma ameen. Allahumma ameen. All right, with this being said, guys, stay tuned. We got some live reactions coming soon, inshallah. Live, I mean lit, not live live recording. We got the hijabi, the shameless hijabi, bro, from TikTok going around saying all this all this type of nonsense. Oh that cannot be saying there's no haya. We got another uh, reaction video coming up about Andrew Tate. And inshallah, very special things coming up for the next few weeks, inshallah. We'll keep it at that. Whereas Angel, I miss him. Angel is currently fast asleep, so I'll make some dua for him. <laughs> Keep us in your duas, guys. We need your duas. And uh, inshallah, with this being said, Rami, let's wrap it up. Allahumma atina fi dunya hasana wa fi la akhirati hasana wa kina adhaab al-nar. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Wa alaikum as And by the way, Ali Chabar, bro.